Well, good evening. It's uh, great to be back with you. Um, and I, f- I feel I have to introduce myself again because there's people here I've not seen before. Uh, my name's Paul. I'm one of the elders in New City Church, Milton Keynes. And I grew up here. I moved away to New City Church six years ago. Uh, Michael Toich, the former pastor, sat me down when I said we were moving to Milton Keynes. And he said, you've got to go to New City or Britton Grove as it was then. And I said to him, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll, we'll go and visit. Anyway, we went once and we've not left. Uh, and uh, we're very pleased to be part of the work there in Milton Keynes. I work for a company that you'll all know of, Anglian Water. Uh, not Anglican Water, as many of our customers seem to call us. Uh, and I let them know that, that there is a difference between the two. Uh, but uh, I used to work on, on unblocking sewers and keeping the drains clear. So you've seen the fatbergs and things like that in London. That was my job. Uh, now I'm in the office and I look at the repair of these. So it's, it's not quite as dirty. Uh, I don't, don't have to deal with the raw sewage anymore. But uh, I do sometimes have to go to a site and just get covered in dirt, which is quite a novelty, really. Um, but tonight we're, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 12. Uh, turn with me. And we'll be looking at the first two verses. So chapter 12. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, uh, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not, be trans, uh, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. Let me pray for us and we shall look into uh, what this means. Father, I pray that you will very much be amongst us this evening. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you will reveal yourself in in new and special ways to each one of us. Meet our hearts where they are. I pray, Lord, for your blessing upon this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Romans 12. It comes after Romans 11, but in the first 11 chapters leading up to this point, Paul has argued through the gospel. He goes through the basics time and time again. But here in Romans 12 is the turning point of the letter. He's starting to talk about the outworkings of what it means to live as a Christian. He's written uh, to the believers in Rome, predominantly Gentile but also include a certain number of Jews. And he writes with the aim of presenting salvation to a church that hasn't yet received the teaching of an apostle. Having explained salvation and justification through Christ, Paul moves on from chapter 12 to consider the practice of righteousness. There's three things I want to to pick out from this. Firstly is God's mercy. Secondly, a living sacrifice. 
And finally, that we are transformed. So firstly then, God's mercy. And it's, it's really the heart of, of what we're going to start with. The words, God's mercy. Paul set out, and he says, therefore. Which means his argument continues from everything that's gone before. His argument before was all about salvation. Turn to Romans 3 for me. 21 through to 26. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. If we're to sit here tonight and live our lives in view of God's mercy, we have to have grasped the gospel. We have to have understood that. Jesus came with one purpose in mind. To die on that cross for you and for me. That the price of our sins might be paid. That we can be right with God. There's no middle ground. There's no grey area of, oh, I haven't made my mind up. You either know Christ as your saviour or you don't. And it means that when you die, you either go to heaven to be with Christ or an eternity without him. And we have to grasp that if we're to live in view of God's mercy. He wants the believers there constantly remember and to look back and to think over what Christ has done for them. To constantly tell themselves the gospel. We've got plenty of opportunities in our day. Uh, Let me tell you a couple. I knew a lady who would uh, sit down with her daughter when it came to communion. And his daughter, her daughter had special needs. There was not much understanding. Except, and, and how she'd communicate was grunts. There was an uh for yes, and a slightly negative uh for no. That was largely how she communicated. Every time it came to communion, her mum would sit there and explain what the bread meant, and what the wine meant, and the significance for us. And she'd say to her daughter, do you believe in Jesus? Is he your saviour? Do you want to take communion? And every week she'd say no. Until one week. And she said yes. Later that week she got ill. And she died. But she'd given her life to Christ. Because her mum was prepared. In the service. Yes to give up maybe the time that she may have spent. In communion herself. Explaining the gospel to her daughter. And it means that one day, 
we'll see our cousin in heaven. I challenge you parents and grandparents and great-grandparents. Do you do that with your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren? Do you take that time? Maybe there's someone new in the fellowship. They've not really had these sorts of things explained to them before. For someone who's not been to church before, communion's an alien thing, and what a perfect opportunity to explain it. Likewise as well, there's everyday objects. We were bathed in Esther, our daughter, a few months ago in Wales with my father-in-law. And we've got this little squirty duck, and you fill it up with water and you squirt it. And anyway, as we were squirting it in the bath, there was black bits coming out, black mould. So at the end of the bath, I took it and I started washing it. And her grandfather was drying her. And she said, what's daddy doing? He said, well, daddy's cleaning the duck because it's got black insides. So he explained the gospel. Through a little rubber duck that squirts water. And the process then of sanctification. Friends, you can find the gospel in lots of different things in your everyday life. And I urge you to look for it, to remind yourself that Christ has died for you. And as you then remind yourself of what Christ has done, you'll be filled with this joy, remembering that you're free from death. You're free from those laws that bound the rest of this world. And you'll find it far easier to explain to someone like this what the cross means to you. I urge you to practice that. Live in in view of God's mercy. Not only for your benefit and your own joy, but potentially then when conversations come up, you just share Christ with them. The second thing is that we're, we're urged to Live our, or present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Now it forced me, as I was preparing this, to, to think through the sacrificial system. Uh, we touched on that a little bit this morning. That um, Noah presented an animal on the altar and it was fragrant, a fragrant offering, pleasing to the Lord. But interestingly it was a dead animal. And the sacrifices used dead animals, not live animals, dead. We're to be living sacrifices. Meaning that we are this side of Christ. We're made alive in Christ. Because he set us free from our sin. So how do we then live as sacrifices? How do we give everything to God? Well, it tells us we're we're to present ourselves as holy and pleasing to God. Paul's showing the church in Rome that just because Paul paid the price, or Jesus paid the price for them, that they can't just accept that I'm forgiven. That's it. I don't have to change my ways. Paul's saying to them, it's an ongoing process. Yes, you're changed by Christ. But now work to remove that sin in your life. There is still an expectation from God for his people 
to change. What as well then, what about holy? To be holy and pleasing to God, uh, God says in Leviticus 19, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. I will be your people and you will be my God. That's how God wanted his people to live. Not with kings, not with prime ministers, with political leaders. He would be their God and they would simply live as his people. And they couldn't do that. He wanted them to be set apart. As I was praying this through, I was, I was really trying to understand what, what holiness might look like in, say, the workplace. And, and I was sitting there in, in, a, in Monmouth looking out over a valley with all my in-laws in the house. And I just felt God say, get up. I thought, no, no, I'm fine here. Like, it's quiet. They're in there. He said, no, get up and go over there. So I walked over to the edge of the balcony. And I stood there and he said, now look back to the house. As I looked back to the house, he just said to me, can you see you're set apart? You're, you're, you're as far away from them as you can be at the moment. And it was a real picture of what holy, being holy and aiming to be holy in the workplace will look like. You're going to stick out like a sore thumb. Certainly, gents, when you come into the workplace, you're going to be shown videos of things that your other friends have found on, on the web that we shouldn't be watching. And they'll flick through their phone showing you some photos and suddenly it'll appear. And what are you going to do? Are you going to politely look and then talk about it? Because really that's what God's asking us to do. I've personally found it a tough balance to make. How do, how do I stick out? But also how then do I build a relationship to be among them, to, to work with them? And it's a challenge. Maybe for those of you who are retired, it's, it's slightly different because you don't have the workplace. But how do you purposely then find somewhere to go and to mix with non-Christians? It can certainly be very easy to, to work through seeing your friends that you've got now. But how do you go and meet with non-Christians? How do you have that opportunity? Now you might be thinking, okay, look. I come to church, I go to my home group. In fact, I come to church twice a day. I'm, I'm all right, I'm doing well. I read my Bible from time to time. I, I pray a little bit. Well, Jesus takes this really seriously. If you turn to the Sermon on the Mount, you'll see Jesus says, you have heard it was said. And he takes what they, the Jews had been taught over the years and he takes it, like you have, you have heard it has said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Likewise, you have heard it was said, uh, do not murder someone. But I tell you that anyone who gets angry with someone has murdered them in his heart. Now don't tell me that Jesus doesn't take holiness seriously. When he's taken what was an action and he's got right to the heart of us and he's ta taken it to a thought. 
We are to be careful with what we think, careful with what we look at, and we are to pursue holiness. That's what's pleasing to God. A few weeks ago, Esther got down from the table with a little plastic plate and she walked over to the cupboard where our food waste bin sits. She can't open it because it's got a lock on, but Hannah came and opened it and opened the food bill, uh, bin and Esther scraped her own food into the bin. She'd not been asked, she'd seen us doing it. And she looked up at us because she wanted us to say, thank you, we're pleased with you. Is that how we are with God? Do we want to get rid of the sin that's in our lives? Do we want to to really pursue that holiness? That the relationship with our Heavenly Father might be deepened? It's important because Paul tells us that this is our spiritual act of worship. Not just a tick the box, I've been to church, I've been to my home group. A spiritual act of worship means your whole self, your mind, your body and your soul, focusing on God and what he wants of you all of the time. Our spiritual acts of worship. Us focusing ourselves on doing what our God wants. Finally, we are transformed. Paul now presents us with something not to do and something to do. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. How do we do that? How do we ignore and fight what is going on in this world and what the world is telling us? It's not easy. And you'll, you'll stand up and you'll try and do what God wants. And you find that the pressures of the world sometimes get too much. That's okay. Stand up again. And keep standing up. And keep fighting against the pressures of the world. Certainly now we can be engrossed in technology. Mobile phones are a big one. Um, tablets, games. Everyone nowadays has got a game going. Uh, something where their mind just goes and it, it's just a waste of time, really, at the end of the day. Um, I love games, I've got to admit. But ultimately, it's a waste of time. I'm not investing in anything. But how do we then look to preserve ourselves when a world is telling us that we should have a game going? We should be on social media. We should be constantly looking and reading articles and things like that 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 don't prove any worth to our daily readings, for example. And we can spend a lot of time then committed to these games and social media. And before we know it, we're going to bed in the evening and we've, we've not lifted the Bible. But that's, that's the influence of the world coming into our church. No doubt years ago, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, there were other influences on your lives. 
But now there is a big drive that we're always engrossed, we're always caught up. How do we preserve ourselves in today's world? Well, the fact is we're transformed. Christ has already changed your life. Whether you've been a Christian a week, a year, 10 years, 50 years, you have been transformed and you are continuing to be transformed as you pursue holiness. As Christ works in your heart and in your life and as our minds are renewed. The things that maybe didn't necessarily used to disgust us now disgust us. I remember from sitting in the uh, youth home group under John Francis and he told us of how he was one of the worst in his workplace for swearing. And that day when he came to know Christ, he just stopped swearing. And he didn't like it anymore. It's really stuck with me. How do we tolerate other people's behaviour in the workplace, in, the, in our own homes even, in our own families? How do we set ourselves apart but also show love to them, which we're asked to do? But ultimately we are to look more like Christ every day. A few years ago, I went for a walk with a friend. And we set out to try and get to Snowdon, on top of Snowdon, for sunrise. And we set off at four o'clock in the morning, wandered up through the trees. And we stopped for a break. And you look back and you sort of see, you see the, tr- the outline of the trees coming through as it gets lighter. And as you go up a little bit further, there's a bit more light comes through and you start to pick out the mountains. And then as you keep going, more and more of these mountains appear and the the harsh cliff faces come out. And until we reached the top, the highest point in Wales, and we could look round and it was beautifully clear and we could see everything. What a picture of the Christian life. You start your life as a Christian in relative darkness. But it's only as you look back over time, you will see how Christ has changed you, what he's brought out in your life, how he's developed the gifts that you've got. I'll be honest, when I left this church six years ago, I never thought I'd come and take the pulpit after Lee Woodcraft. And you wouldn't have thought that either, would you? But look how God has developed Lee and other people in this church to have those gifts as he has transformed and renewed us. Because that's what God does as we pursue our relationship with him and holiness. We're also told something else will happen. As our minds are transformed, we will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, perfect and pleasing will. What does God want for Flittig Baptist Church? Is Tim the next pastor for you? You've got to test and approve and see if God, what God's will is. Who are the next church leaders here in Flittig? You, the people, have to test and approve what God's will is. And it's only by submitting 
and allowing your minds to be transformed, will the right people be brought through and the church will be blessed. We have to seek God and let him show us what is best for the church, for our own lives. His good, pleasing and perfect will. Good by God's standard, pleasing to God and perfect just as God is perfect. There can be no improvement on his will. None at all. And we've got to seek it and be able to determine it by submitting to him. So Fittick Baptist Church, our challenge is this. We need to know and, are, and remind ourselves of God's mercy. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We need to aim to be holy and pleasing to God, presenting ourselves as living sacrifices, set apart from this world, and allowing ourselves to be transformed to look more like Christ every day. God calls you to be a living sacrifice. Let me pray. Father, I pray for your help. I pray for your help as I try and live as a living sacrifice for you. Father, we pray together for your help as we try and live as living sacrifices. I pray, Lord, you will help us as we try to learn to stand up against some of the sins in our lives. We might put them to bed. That we might submit to your will and pursue holiness Chasing after you. I pray Lord you will reveal to us. New ways that we've seen the gospel. In the things around us. Give us those opportunities to speak to other people. And to use those examples. And Father I pray. That you will help us determine what your will is. Not only for our lives but the church. This church here in Flittick. Father I pray for your blessing upon this church. And I pray as they do seek your will. That the right person will be brought to this church. That the baptistry might be open more often. That Flittick might come to know the name of Christ. And we ask this in Jesus name. Amen. got one more song to sing